I think the beauty of doing things that you don't like more frequently is something that's going to benefit you long term. I don't know if you've seen a, a podcast recently with uh, Andrew Huberman and David Goggins. Yeah, like the lads, grief, the yeah. lads grief me all the time because I speak about David Goggins all the time because he's fucking, he's <laughs> yeah, awesome, he's right? Classic, yeah. But um, one thing that they dive into is uh, the part of the brain called the anterior mitsigillate cortex, which is a it's, a it's a section in the brain where it gets stimulated by doing hard things. So say, for example, I hate the cold. Doing a nice mm-hmm. bath for me is like torturous. I did a, you know, like the, the uh, was it the New Year Day run where you go into it, like the sea afterwards. Well, we did a, a sea dip uh, on New Year's okay. Day, right? And the North Sea is fucking freezing. Uh-huh. I hate the cold. So we did that. And say, for example, if I were to do that more frequently, if I were to do a cold plunge or a cold dip, mm-hmm. then that would stimulate my anterior mid cortex, which would then push my boundaries further for me to be able to do more challenging mm-hmm. things without mm-hmm. that resistance. Because naturally we try to avoid a lot of hard things. We always yeah. want to kind of like go back into our comfort zone where it's safe, it's nice, it's uh, familiar. And that's one thing that I try to push a lot of my lads to do is to just like chase something that's challenging. Like even like weight loss, that in itself is hard. Like it's it's monotonous, it's boring, it's it's a grueling process that you have to go through day in and day out to see a result. And you don't always see that result straight away. So there's that delayed gratification mm-hmm. as well as the, the consistency you have to maintain through that process. But if you can challenge yourself and develop a self-discipline which allows you to see through that process, you almost change your brain's chemistry to be able to kind of like almost welcome it a bit more and uh, I think that's probably like the biggest thing that a lot of my lads and a lot of people around me are trying to kind of expose themselves to mm-hmm. doing more hard things and that's probably why I do all these like freaking stupid challenges because like even though nobody's asking me to do them yeah. I'm asking myself to put myself in that position to kind of almost remind myself that like you have to do the hard things to see any form mm. of progress and, and that's, I feel like, where you get the most lessons learned about not only yourself, but, like, yeah. also just yeah. like areas in your own life, too. So you're kind of just being proactive in terms of, like, I have to do so the future me would, you know what I'm saying, improve yeah. kind of thing that I have yeah. to be uncomfortable right now. Mm-hmm. So your brain actually... Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's basically putting my future self in a position where, like, he knows he's going to do something that's really going to fucking suck. Yeah. But if he can get out of that and see the outcome... Uh-huh that's going to probably put my future self in a better position because how often do you want to be, how often do you see a person put themselves to doing like a hundred K running weeks or being able to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then go for a 30 K run before he has to start a shift on the Saturday. Like it's, it's something that you don't really want to put yourself into, but like you have to find ways to get yourself to the, the finished product and for me that's the things that I had to do for when I was getting prepared for the 100k run because like through our working week it can be quite challenging yeah because we're starting like say for example like a full day of work uh-huh. starts from six o'clock in the morning up until eight o'clock at night and we're not leaving the building until we've done all the yeah, cleaning yeah. till around half eight 
and then we're probably not having our meal till like nine o'clock in the night and then going to sleep at like 10. So yeah. it can be a pretty full on day. So to add in your training as well as the running, all those things, that in itself is another lesson. But that's the beauty of it oh, is like, no. yeah, that's the beauty of it as well is because it like, it almost teaches you to like understand how you can manage your time to fit in those things. Cause everybody can fit them in. It's just about like how they can manage their times and like, being able to almost want to do that as well. Because yeah. being a PT is very physical. I know you're just showing people mm. different machines and stuff, but I th you're still physically doing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. think people realize, is it? Well, I'm clocking in like 16K steps a day, so yeah. my output is well yeah, high. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, my training, on top of my training, there's other things that I'll do as well. There's uh, a lot of like personal development, personal development that we try to achieve within our time um, at the TC as well. So it just makes us better coaches, but I wouldn't really have it any other way. And a lot of people like even ask me like, what do you do between the days? Like when you're coaching, like do you just sit around and just drink coffee or something? I'm like, no, <laughs> we do a lot more than that, brother. So yeah. like that's, uh, it, again, like it's, it is challenging and it is a massive demand. But again, like if I can, see that as being a positive instead of necessarily a negative uh -huh. in like 10 years time when I've like mastered the skill of coaching, mm -hmm. hopefully I can put myself in a position where like I won't need to coach as much, even though it's my passion, it's my desire to be able to impact somebody's life through training and being able to see their progressions from point A to point B. Um, eventually I want to kind of expand my, my abilities, my skill to impact more people further than that so on a wider scale yeah in a wider scale absolutely yeah. kind of like um similar to how like this might go to hopefully hundreds of people where they can almost get an outlook or an insight towards like what they can do right now to make an improvement i want to see my future self yeah. be able to do that for like thousands or hundreds of thousands of people as well eventually so it's how just, yeah it's just sitting down figuring shit out like going yeah. back to what you said it's you know, like you, you, we were talking about like doing all those hard shit, like forcing yourself to do those because you don't have to do it. No one mm. has to do it. Like obviously you've got your training that you're doing that improves you anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but on top of that, you don't need to be doing 100K races. You don't mm. need to be doing marathons. You don't need to be doing any of that shit. But it's, mm. I think, obviously there's a huge physical element to it. But I think even more than physical, I think it's the impact it has like on your mental like stay in terms of how you see certain things because mm -hmm. if you can put yourself through a 100k race and if you can complete that then no matter how like you you might go through all the hard shit in your life but you've always got that point enough mm, yeah like, do you know what i mean I, i've been through this i've been through much worse than this yeah mm -hmm. i think it's yeah. it's just mental that resilience that you build mental fortitude yeah, yeah that's mental the one man fortitude. it's the name of the game isn't it come on yeah, cool, yeah no absolutely no you're you're on the money there i think um I find myself going through times where, say, for example, if I'm struggling with something in terms of like a challenge with work, a challenge with uh, a training session, as daft as that might sound, or just like any form of uh, tough situation that I'm in, I always like to go back to those moments where I've really struggled and like I've had to find that second gear to be able to get me out of that situation. And being able to stack those kind of achievements up, it allows me to almost prove to myself that I am who I am because of those moments. And um, again, going back to David Goggins, he uh, in his book, he talks about the cookie jar 
I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but he talks about how he's got this jar that he goes back to where he's done all these races because he's like, obviously he's a, he's a seasoned athlete when it comes to ultra running. So he goes back to the moments where he felt like he was struggling. He felt like he had to really push himself hard. And he would go back to those moments where he would pick a cookie out of the cookie jar and almost use that to like push him forward. Mm -hmm. And I find myself try to do that a few times when I'm going through like these long runs or even like these long days at work. It's like, fuck me, like I could be doing a lot worse here. So I don't really mind that. So that's when I kind of like dip into that and be able to use that as the fuel or the catalyst to be able to kind of push me forward. Is that something that he's written down, like in a paper that he has in an actual jar? Is it something that he just remembers? Oh, no, it's just like something that he yeah, actually remembers, yeah. yeah. So he he almost used that as like a, a point of reflection. Yeah. And I think that's probably its simplest form. It's like almost used as an analogy. Really, it's just reflection. He uses that as to be able to kind of reflect on those moments of hardship where he's like, he's done it. He knows he can do it. Yeah. And right now there's no difference. Yeah. The only difference is, is that he might be doing something that's a little bit harder or it might just be a little bit more mentally draining. So he needs to kind of go back to that cookie jar and pick out that moment where he's done the same hardship and just apply it to the same yeah. moment that he's dealing with right now. Tell me about the 100K. What made you want to do that? Because that's ridiculous. Why not 50K? Why not 25K? Why, why did you go for the big 100? So the reason why I wanted to do the 100K run is because every challenge that I've done before that, I've almost had confidence that I can definitely do it. So before the 100K, just to kind of give you a bit of insight of what I used to do. So um, the year before that, I did 48 miles in 48 hours. Another thing from David Goggins. Um, so where he runs four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So it pretty much kind of like runs through the night, runs through the morning. And um, I okay. st- so you run four miles every four hours? Yeah. For 48 hours. And you just keep doing that? Yeah, for 48 hours until you've completed yeah, the 48 yeah. miles. So like that I've done twice. And that like, I've, so the first time I did it was during lockdown and I did it again to raise money for charity. So I knew that I could do that. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. Like you're sleep deprived, you're fatigued and your circadian rhythm is all over the place. Yeah. So you don't really know like. So you don't you're sleep gonna... for 48 hours? No, you do. Yeah. You just probably like, it's not really like long periods of sleep. It's probably right. just like naps. Yeah. So yeah, so it was like still challenging. And like other things that I've done, I did a rowing challenge where I rowed the distance of the English Channel there and back on a rowing machine. And that, um, I think that was around like 70,000 meters on the rower. Um, How long did that take? Well, from what I remember, it was like from six o'clock in the morning until six o'clock in the afternoon. So it was pretty much like a full day's graft. So that was uh, that was another challenge. But again, like I trained for that and I kind of had confidence that I can do it because it was in a gym. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I had food with me there as well. So I pretty much knew that I was, I was going to do it regardless. Yeah. Um, other challenges that I've done, I ran 6K every single day for 30 days. That was like during lockdown. I ran, um, I rode 21K every day for 30 days as a biking challenge. And then, um, there was another thing that I did. I ran my first ever solo marathon by myself. 
Um, and that was rough, that. Because, like, I was, I planned my route the night beforehand. It was all downhill to start off with, but then on the way back, it was all uphill, oh, so really? I was, like, yeah. ruined. Was that your first ever marathon? That was my first ever marathon as well. So I did that solo. Um, I, did a, <laughs> I did a trail run marathon as well. That was rough. Headwind. Yeah. Three hours, just bashing my face. I was, like, swearing at the wind at one point. It was horrendous. Um, and then, uh, so, yeah, so there was, like, a, there was a stack of proof mm. that I could do the yeah, things that I yeah. said I was going to do. And then when it came to the 100K, it's because like, this is where I got a little bit worried. I was like, fuck me, I don't know if I can actually do this. So this almost kind of created this fear, this created this this uncertainty that like, can I actually do this? Mm -hmm. Like, even though I've got yeah. the proof there, 100K is like a different beast. Like yeah. I've only ever run, like before that 100K, the furthest I've ever ran was a marathon distance, which is 42.2K. So you got to think I'm running a marathon another one and then some so like, yeah. like going into that was like fuck me like i've got to prepare for this and that's when i started calling it the the 100k project mm -hmm. because um i remember listening to this podcast and a lot of people will already know this from a video that i did on instagram is that i listened to this podcast i can't remember the name of it but they said that like you should treat your goals or something that is almost a challenge as a project because a, like a work project, you have to have people around you to help you achieve that goal or you're going to have set deadlines. You're going to have to set tasks aside to be able to achieve set goal. So I called it that 100K project because that meant that like there's a deadline and there's an end date and there's going to have to be a lot of work that needs to be done between the start of it to the very end. And obviously it was a 16-week process and it was probably one of the most challenging 16 week processes that I've ever had to go through because the output of running was so high. Um, so your, your training period was only for 16 weeks? Yeah, 16 weeks. That's, that's not that long. I know, I know, right? So like, to be fair, I think I can't, I was on a walk with uh, my girlfriend, Caitlin, and um, I literally just, cause like every November I wanna do something. Like, I, like I've set that as a goal now where like every year I will do something that's hard. Um, again to like raise awareness for men's mental health and raise a bit of money mm -hmm. and I just said to her I was like I need to do something hard here like I don't I just don't know what to do and I said oh what if I do 100 miles and then she was like oh, hold on hold on you know like you're not going to just jump into 100 miles when you've never done that why don't you do 100k so I was like oh fair so I'll do 100k oh, sure. Cause she, so she like because <laughs> she, she said that she follows somebody who's yeah. uh, like a, a, a like another season athlete um, and she said that like she's done 100k before it took her this amount of time like why didn't you start with that I was like oh, okay fair I'm glad that she did like I don't know if I could do 100 miles just yet but um, so yeah so I did 100k um, and obviously I think I had that conversation with her around it was just after July I think it was around August time mm -hmm. end of August and obviously I did that running around November last year last year yeah. around November August last year so yeah, so 16 weeks, as you said, it's like not a long time. I think a lot of people would probably spend a little bit more time yeah. preparing for something so. like that. Yeah, so, but again, like the, the challenge was to increase my output throughout the entire 16 weeks. At one point I was like running like three 20K runs per week. I was running like, I, I eventually got to a point where for one of my training runs, I had to run a marathon distance on a Sunday and um, 
and I just like going back to what I mentioned beforehand, I hate the cold. So like what I did was I did it on a curved treadmill. Mm-hmm. So I ran a full marathon distance on that, which was an experience to say the least. And um, oh, it was boring. But again, like that's the, that's the whole point. And I think doing boring, monotonous things, but like, which I've seen as a challenge is mm-hmm. again, like tapping into that side of the yeah, brain, which that's is even harder to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when it gets to the day where like, I'm required to do the hardest thing ever, like I've already done the hard shit beforehand to get mm. to this point. So yeah. yes, it's going to be hard, but it's not going to be as hard as what I originally was going to expect yeah. it to be without yeah. putting the work in beforehand. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like the reason why I wanted to get into doing the hundred K and I've already started planning for my next one, which is going to be, again, this is going to be uh, a little bit of an exclusive for you boys. Mm. All right. But uh, it's, uh, it's going to be called the big North run right. where I want to run to every known kind of city in the Northeast mm-hmm. and try and run every single location in one day, hopefully. So I'm going to try and aim to do. Like from one city to the yeah, next. so like say from Washington to Durham. Well, well, say I haven't planned the room yet, but yeah, like yeah, say for example, yeah. like from Washington to Newcastle, yeah, to Sunderland to Durham to South Shields, like all these different places, yeah. like all the well-known places yeah. in the northeast. And uh, I'm gonna map out the distance and uh, just see like what I'll need to do to get prepared for that. And probably I'll probably spend a little bit longer than 16 weeks to get prepared yeah. for that because I'm assuming it's gonna be longer than the run yeah. that I did for the 100K, so. Where did you run the 100K? So um, I didn't do it as like, you go from point A to point B. I ran it as a 20K loop. So I basically mapped out a distance that would go from 10K to 10K. So I'd run 10K there and 10K back. And like T- the TC was my main aid station. So I would come back, refuel, eat, um, take a shit, whatever I needed to do to get myself back into that run. Mm -hmm. So I would do that and then I would go back. I'd probably have like five minutes, like chill time just to get whatever I needed and then just go straight back out. So I would do that 20K loop uh, five times. And when it got to like the last 20K, that was like the roughest part of it all. It's horrendous. That's... Like, can, can we get into a bit more in terms of, like, the training you did? So, mm-hmm. like, 16 weeks. So, what was, the like, the training like when you started and how did you progress that? Yeah. Like, week on week? So, the way that I started off was, again, just going through almost, like, a priming phase. So, essentially, to develop the output. So, I didn't start off with any crazy distances. Mm-hmm. Um, we started off by introducing, like, 8K runs. Um so I would do that after each weight training session. So on a Monday, so the way that my week looked like in terms of training, Monday, I would train lower body strength. Then I would go into a Tuesday, which was upper body strength and then an 8K run. Wednesday was like my long run because that was the day where I had an opportunity to kind of do some zone two work. So I would go into like, say, a 12K or a 15K run. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday was lower body, upper body strength where I would also introduce an AK run. And then the Friday was more upper body strength, another AK run. And then Saturday, I would probably use that as more just a weight training session, no running. And then Sunday was another big long run. So another like 15K run. So that was like the first week. And then each week, the the shorter runs would progress by a K. So then it would go to 9K. 
longer runs would increase by another K. So they would go from like 15 to 16K. And then each week it would just be adding on another K on top of that. And then eventually you got to the point where it just became a bit too unsustainable because I would then have to, those short runs would then have to almost be 20K runs. So I was like, right, I'm going to, exactly. And like doing a two hour run with the work that I had alongside that to do, like it was just unfeasible. And I still wanted to have my weight training session because I wanted to still enjoy this process as well as kind of like going through the suck to be able to get to that point. So what I did was, is that I almost kind of removed the idea that I needed to increase my output and just focus on like managing the volume. So obviously I was running a hundred K. So then what I would do is that I would try and map out in a hundred K week. So I would be doing like a long run during the week. I would do like two short runs during the week as well. And then I would increase my overall volume going into the weekend. So my Saturday and Sunday, that's when I would have like my bigger long runs. So I would do like like my 30Ks or 35K on a Sunday. So I was quite fortunate as well. Like when I started to get closer towards the time, I had um, a few of the lads who go to the training club who um, were getting ready for a marathon. So like they were also training long distance. So on Sundays, sometimes I would run with them and we would be doing like 32K runs, 35K runs. And then when it got to like, probably like two weeks out, that's when I did the marathon distance. Mm -hmm. So I did that on a Sunday. And then the week prior to running the 100K, that was almost kind of like my um, deload week. This is where we reduced the the running volume to make sure that the recovery process, the lactic acid was like massive reducing. So therefore I could be as fresh as I possibly could be for the, the day that I was running the 100K. So was that the, your peak week then? The, yeah, that was the, the peak marathon. week, essentially. I So, um, yeah. And uh, the process was just kind of like very simple. Um, I had two holidays in between that as well. So I went uh, to Turkey with my family. Uh-huh. So running in the heat was a different experience because I was doing like 20K runs during the time there. I was there for a week. And then I also went on a lad's holiday to Portugal, which uh-huh. was a- an event in itself. And that's... I didn't do any running for that because like I was just waking up hungover every single day. So I just didn't even know but like what day it was anyways. So there was like periods of time where I was thinking like, am I going to be as ready as I want to be for this? But then when it got to like the last couple of weeks, I just thought for everything that I had in front of me, mm-hmm. like I'm happy regardless because managing the expectation of my mind to be able to like, have every single week perfect it's just unrealistic so i kind of like just set it out there as like with everything that i had in front of me in terms of like my controllables such as work family life um holidays things that i wanted to do with everything that i had did i do the the best that i could do to prepare for this and the answer was yes so like regardless of whatever the outcome was because it didn't really matter like what time i finished like it just mattered that i got the run done Mm -hmm. So I was happy with going through that process and just managing my own expectations of like what the finishing time was going to be like, because as long as I got the run done, that all, that's all that mattered to me. And like, to be fair, I did set the goal that I wanted to do it in sub 15 hours and I did it in 14 hours and five minutes, I think, or might've been a little bit higher than that, but did it in sub 15 hours. So I was happy with that. Uh, well done brother well done thank you very much appreciate that tough tough fighting but 
Yeah. I was going to say, like, after doing all these running away training, how were you able to have that recovery where you I weren't overtraining? Like, refraining from overtraining? Yeah, so um, when it comes to overtraining, I think there's, like, a split opinion between this. Um, yes, you can definitely overtrain because your body almost develops this... Um, kind of like resistance against you trying to train again because then you start to feel this like level of fatigue that you probably never really felt like you almost kind of knock yourself ill but um if you can manage it correctly throughout the week then you almost go into a process where you're never really overtrained because a lot of my runs they weren't hard runs they were zone two like i was maintaining the heart rate of anywhere between 140 to 150 so those runs almost became like recovery runs. So mm. again, going back to David Goggins again, like he breaks it down into like the way that his uh, brain works in terms of his runs is to kind of break it down into those zones. So zone five is like when you can't think, like you, like oh, fuck me, like I'm in, in this panic state. It's like like fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. But if he can take him down to like zone two. This is where he's kind of like, I'm calm. I can understand what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm good here. So if you spend too much time in that higher zone of like zone five, that's when you're probably going to put your mind in a position where it's going to fatigue, but then also your, your physique and your body. So what I did was I maintained myself quite a lot in that zone two category, especially in my runs. When it came to my weight training, that was around like zone three, zone four. You don't, you never really go zone five unless you're doing something that is more anaerobic. So this is like your sprint work or like short, fast, hard hitting training sessions. But I wasn't really doing that a lot because I didn't really need to. So a lot of my time was spent in those lower zones. So I was recovering well. I was eating a lot of calories. So my calories were probably ranging anywhere between three and a half K to 4,000 because of the output. Was this like throughout your training period? Yeah. yeah. So throughout the training period. So that's why I had kind of a lot of food to play around with. And um, again, like I was implementing certain things such as like heat exposure. So going into the sauna, doing a lot of mobility as well, because there was going to be areas which were going to start to tighten up. So especially with the running, um, your body is constantly put in a position where like the muscles shorten in areas mm-hmm. and you have to lengthen them at times to be able to kind of just open up that space so it doesn't like cramp up over time. So um, my protocols were pretty simple. Um, there was never really any moment where I was like, fuck me, I'm fucked here. Like, yeah, there was times where like, probably before going on to a long run on a Sunday, I didn't really want to do it. Like I'd rather just like sit in the house, watch Netflix or play PlayStation. But like, obviously again, going back to the idea of it being a project, like the work needed to be done. So there was never, there was times where I kind of felt that resistance of like being able to do it. But Mm -hmm. I always just managed it by just kind of reflecting back to the why of why it is that I'm doing this and like what is the purpose behind all of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of overtraining, I never really kind of felt that. And I feel like for anybody who does feel that way, it, they need to just manage their training a little bit better during the week. And it's tra- probably because they're going to zone five and going a bit too extreme yeah. with it as mm-hmm. opposed to zone two, having more control. Well, yeah. I think, you know, like when people do start running, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get your easy runs yeah. easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's easy to like think you're doing an easy run, but then you're not. You're probably mm-hmm. in like zone three or four. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to get to a point where you're like, yeah, I'm actually in zone two and yeah. maintain that. I think even that is quite hard to do. Oh, absolutely. As funny as it sounds. 
I coach a lot of like uh, a lot of the lads that I coach at the moment like they, their big goal is to like get themselves more into running mm-hmm. which is fantastic because I feel like there's a massive trend now for a lot of people to start increasing that output not only just by like spending 30 minutes on the bike but actually just doing more movement which I think is like a big big thing for fitness but as you said like an easy run is quite hard because as well anybody really but like I'm going to relate this a lot to men like men's especially have this ego or this mindset that they have to beat their previous time or lift a little bit heavier because they look at like the next guy who's like running at a four minute 30 kilometer pace and they think that they can just go straight into that but it's unrealistic and if you're starting to get yourself out running the best way to run fast is to run slow so people like always get confused and this is like, hey, how can I run slow if I want to run fast? Like, shouldn't I be running faster all the time to be able to get that? But it's like, again, going back to that zone five, if you're spending 90% of your time in zone five, one, you're not going to recover because your body's fucked all the time because you've just been smashing it through the bin being in that zone. And two, you can't sustain a zone five heart rate for a 10, 20K run unless you're a seasoned athlete and you can maintain your heart rate at a relatively low heart rate and then being able to like keep that pace low but we're not we're not olympic like marathon yeah, runners we yeah. have to be able to get ourselves in a position where our body goes through that adaptive phase to get to that so that's why i get a lot of my lads to focus on the heart rate first don't worry about yeah. the distance don't worry about the kilometer per pace focus on your heart rate first and then we can start looking into introducing like a pace run where you start to challenge your heart rate in a higher zone whilst inc- um, decreasing the the kilometer per pace and then we'll introduce like interval running, which requires you to run at sharp, sharp, fast paces, but then also have like an element of recovery runs in there as well. So therefore you're actually getting the best of both worlds. So in an ideal week, this is the way that I would probably structure it. If a person wanted to run faster and improve their running for 2024 is that I would have one day where they'll run a longer run, which is just zone two recovery pace, getting them to focus on the heart rate. Another one would be a pace run. So this is where they're trying to kind of challenge their lactic threshold. So really just pushing themselves a little bit harder, going to around like that zone four, zone five. Mm -hmm. So hitting the heart rate a little bit higher at a faster pace. Is that like um, 800 meter repeats, like stuff like that? Is that what you mean? In terms of, or or just the same kind of like a long run, but just in a... Yeah, almost. I'd probably have like a little bit of a shorter distance run. So maybe like, say for example, if your long run was a 10K, the shorter pace run would probably be like a 5K because that won't be a lot of time that you spend in there. And say for example, if you wanted to eventually get to a point where that pace runs a little bit longer, then yeah, you could do that. But I would probably keep it like mini... If you start now, maybe like a three to five K, if you can manage that. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the interval runs, then again, that's something that you're probably not going to spend a lot of time with. Um, probably like three to five K, splitting it off where you do like your first K as a warm up at a, like a steady heart rate zone. And then going into your next three K where you go 500 meters fast, 500 meters slow, or right. like less than that, maybe like 300 meters fast if you're at a certain level. And then you go into 700 meters slow. And then your final loop, that final 1K would be like more of a recovery pace run. So you just focus on cooling yourself down, getting your heart rate back down to a level where you can focus on breathing more than anything. So that's what I would probably plan for an ideal week. But again, 
going back to people's schedules and like being realistic, that, yeah. that might not fit for everyone. So it might look a little bit different. Yeah. I liked how you mentioned a project rather than a goal. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it like that, but it's interesting, you know, because yeah. setting a goal is you kind of want to do something with a project is you're actually being specific to exactly what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. No, it's class. Again, like, I think we've been for years where we've just seen things as goals and, like, I think it almost dilutes the word. Like, like what's a goal? Like, what, like, what... Yeah, you've got goals, but like the likelihood of you achieving those goals might be slim. But if you can just hone into like one specific goal that you're trying to achieve and almost make that into a project, it's like freaking out. Like it'll be like it's kind of, like it adds a little bit of weight yeah, towards even it. Even saying that, like, yeah. it sounds about yeah. more, more real than yeah. yeah. Because I call it the hundred k goal. It's like uh, it sounds yeah, a bit it sounds a bit freaking gimmicky. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it doesn't have that weight yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when it's like the project, it's like fuck it out. Yeah, it's like project yeah. X. You know what I mean, it's like a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very true. Right. So now nah, I, I I really I really took it to heart when they mentioned it in the podcast. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna call it a hundred k project. And they just felt like it was just like this. It was like this rally cry because then a lot of people started to get themselves involved in a certain level, like either donating money or like getting themselves into like my running. Like they would like join me on my runs or they would do their own running and kind of like use the um, the hashtag of like 100K projects. So it was just, it was pretty cool. It's the first time I've ever kind of like experienced that level of togetherness and like community from like something that I've done solely by myself and mm-hmm. um, obviously I've done a lot of community stuff with the TC and I feel that power and that uh, that weight that they carry but when it comes to something off my own back I've never really experienced that so it was it was a really cool experience to kind of see that I think it's cool. I don't know if you've met him believe um, to run you don't believe to run believe to run he's Joe. called Joe Larkin he he did a was it 250 150 150 sorry 150 miles Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, man. That's yeah. like different level. I was going to say, like, if you, if you don't know him, you should go run it together. Because he's mad, yeah. But he's, he's a, a fast club. runner as well. Yeah. He, oh, he does a running club, does he? Yeah, he's yeah. got a running club, Mint. yeah. Unbelievable. Bro, this is the best thing about this. It's, we get to have these crazy guys on yeah. that have just done, like, shit that you can't even imagine. Like, do you mm. know what I mean? Like, can't even, a lot of people can't even comprehend doing 5k mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like yeah never mind fucking 100k 100, 100k 150 yeah. miles like, do you know what I mean it's yeah but um but we're all humans that's the maddest thing like he's not an alien you're not an alien yeah you're a human like me mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. the, probably the biggest thing as well because like I even look at like certain people and think like how do you even do that and I, I forget that I do some shit yeah. like that myself yeah but again like it's just Bringing it down to perspective, I think um, people believe that you have to be a certain person, you have to be built different Mm -hmm. to be able to do X, Y, and Z. But really, everybody starts off in a position where they didn't have that self-belief or they didn't have the ability to run that 5K or move over to that 10K or lift that certain weight. You do have to go through the reps to be able to get to that point. And into it, again, like similar to fat loss, going back onto that, it's a long, boring process. And getting towards running a 5K to running a 100K, that has taken years. Like yeah. I started running, 
back when I was in secondary school, but that was like on and off. Like I would do cross country and I think I was like freaking rapid, Usain Bolt kind of style. But like that in itself, like there was a starting point there. And it's taken the decades to get to that point where I've had that self-confidence. I've put that stack of proof that I can do something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just takes one good year for a person who hasn't started running to go from running a couch to 5K, as most people do, then to run like their first half marathon at the end of the year. Yeah. It just takes one good year. So I feel like if people can get themselves into the mindset that like you don't need to be a certain person, you just need to focus on that, focus on yourself that you can do something, but you just have to do it off your own back and focus on solely yourself and not what other people are doing. Because it is easy with social media these days to look at other people and think like, fuck me, I'm I wish I, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. That's so unrealistic. Like how the fuck can I do that? I've got two kids, I've got a nine to five job and I freaking the hardest thing that I do is do paddle over the weekend. Like, how am I going to fucking get to that point? Well, it's crazy. Like, if you're, if you're trying to compare yourself with what you see on social media, like, I seen that video you posted the other day about, you know, like, that fitness influences. You know, that oh, three guys doing fucking hell, shit. man. Like, once Have you, you seen open... that? I'm not, I don't use social media. Oh, do you not? I try not to. Yeah, yeah, Good for you, yeah. mate. Fucking hell, you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> see the shit that I see. Jesus. That's the thing, man. You open social media. What happened? What is it? <sighs> Well, it's just people Can I show doing, you? Can I just show you quickly? Because it's just, it's stupid, man. People doing like crazy, absolute intense stuff that obviously they're doing it because it gets views. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's crazy. But yeah. no one, you, there's no point training like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's... Uh. <laughs> like somebody's doing a press up on like a curve mill. <laughs> two lads are running. And then there's a guy behind him with two bands doing like battle robe style. Like... <laughs> Why? Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that's yeah. even motivating to the slightest because they're like posting that shit thinking like, fuck yeah, people are going to be riled up after this. Yeah. I'm like baffled. I'm like, eh. Yeah. Why would you go into a commercial gym thinking that that is uh -huh. the coolest thing to do? Mm. And I, I get it. Like, people do that when they, when you see the aspirational physique, the man with the six pack or the man with the big muscles, you think like, fuck me, I want to be like that. Mm. So when they see videos like that, they don't even think that it's stupid. They just think like, oh That's yeah, what I got to do, I gotta do uh, that. Yeah. I fucking get the six pack, you know what I mean? Get fucking huge act. But it's the not thing, the it's case. Like, these people that, have these amazing physiques that's not the kind of shit they did to get there nah. you know what I mean? they can do that now and get away with it because they have the physique Aye. anyway but obviously they had to follow like a prop program you know I mean? exactly <laughs> they had to do the boring three sets of 12 to start off with on the bench press and then get themselves going into the lap pull down where they're focusing on eccentrics yeah. and stuff like that you they never like, fucking did battle ropes and hit classes you can't you build muscle can you imagine them meeting before that day oh. right yeah you guys are gonna do this i'm gonna do that they're gonna plan this. Do you know what? Find that so funny. Do you know what's fucked up as well? Like they actually like sit down and plan this. Well, that's out, what I'm saying. Like, they yeah, have to. They, it? Exactly. They like they plan out that week. And do, do, like, do like a drone or something. <laughs> but you know what? I honestly hand on heart believe that they do it on purpose. Like as in like let's think of the mm -hmm. stupidest thing that we could possibly do, which will sell our program yeah. to the unlucky Joe who just thinks that this is what they need to do to lose far, mm -hmm. and. Yeah. We'll make fucking millions from it and we'll get like millions of views and like our following count is going to increase and it's just so stupid because it's it's just harming people's perspective on fitness and self yeah, exactly. and they think that they need to do things like that to be able to lose weight, build muscle, or even just improve their overall fitness. 
but it just it, it just goes down to the idea that you have to do the simple things consistently mm-hmm. over a very fucking long period of time and people don't want that people want to People want to be sold the dream, essentially. Yeah, and that's yeah, what I used to do yeah, back in sales. I used yeah. to sell the dream. I was like, "Oh yeah, you gas electric. I can bring that price down yeah, for you." Yeah. But fucking, like everybody's gas electric's the same. Yeah, yeah I can't. Yeah. I can't I give you a better price on that. Mm-hmm. All I can say is that we'll offer you a better service, and like we'll do this for you. And it's the same when it comes to like personal trainers as well. Like each PT delivers the same message. If you want fat loss, you need to be in a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. If you want muscle gain, you've got to be in a calorie surplus. But the way that we deliver that message is completely different. I don't know how the fuck they deliver in that message and that mm. video because like yeah, there's yeah. there's no deliverables there. It's just about, oh, okay, follow my program and you'll do this. There's no education around it. And like I think that's the biggest thing as well is that education is so important for people in the fitness industry because... I didn't realize how dumb some people can be. And this is not even like in a very horrible sense. I just genuinely feel like we are very dumb as human beings. Because like we believe that drinking lemon juice is going to fucking help us lose (laughs) fat. Exactly. You know, sometimes when you're trying to do sales Mm -hmm. and then you read the transcript of like, this is what you meant to say. And then Mm -hmm. you question yourself like, People aren't that dumb, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are so naive that they'll they'll yeah. literally buy into your programs. Help, exactly, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Just, if you think from your perspective that, like, I know that's stupid, mm-hmm. but like 95 percent of people will just be like, nah, yeah. it makes sense. They'll like, believe yeah. anything, and that's like, and again, this is not me slating people and saying that you're stupid, but really you are. Like, it's it's boiled down to the fact that you believe that if you drink this, you eat that that you will see some form of outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I don't know if you've seen this guy. Oh, what was his name? He's been viral. Like, he's been viral on TikTok. And he's um, a, a boil. A, a boil. He's a guy who, like, you might know. Wait, wait, Does he react to videos? Yeah, So he's, to- like, saying, I'm going to the gym, and he's acting on, but then he sees, like, a video, and he's, like, looking around. Is that what Oh, no, 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 no. So this is a guy who's, uh, he used to be, I forgot his name, right? He's been viral on TikTok and he's been viral on Instagram. And like James Smith, um, Darren Cartel, people like that who have like re- reacted to these videos. Mm-hmm. And he almost kind of talks in an extreme way that you have to cut out things such oh, as... Eddie. Eddie. Yes. That's yes, the guy. Yes, yes. So he... Uh, like, he used to be a bodybuilder in Running Cold those days. So he was an actual bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. But now he's like quite old and he's... Um, very, very... He used to be a nurse as well or like some form of... Uh, he said that he worked in the medical industry at some point from one of the videos that I watched him anyways. So he feels like he's got this kind of very clear and very kind of straightforward understanding around nutrition. And he goes to like shopping centers and he'll go to like as the Sainsbury's and that. And he'll tell you not to eat this, don't eat that. It's got rapeseed oil in, it's got... It's like processed fats, it's like everything. It's you, literally everything. You can't fucking eat a squares bar. Like what? <laughs> Come on, man. And I was literally having this conversation with the lads that I was running with today. Is that the message is like I get it. Like he's not trying to do a bad thing. I I, I believe that he actually hand on heart is trying to do something good by explaining a certain way of living. But if we boil it down to the person that we're speaking to. 
Like I always try and use this when I'm doing my videos or I'm planning content. I'm thinking about who is it that I'm trying to speak to here? Like who am I trying to deliver this message to in terms of a relatable standpoint, but then also an educational standpoint, because I don't want anything to feel unrealistic. And again, going back to like males, like we set these unrealistic expectations anyways. So if you put that on top of like eating 12 boiled eggs with a little bit of chili sauce, I remember him doing a video on that as well. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's just, you can't do that. And then he removes the idea that like, you can't eat the things that you enjoy whilst also making progress. Like imagine how shit it would be if you're a bloke who's got two kids, a wife, and you're going to go out for a family meal over the weekend, but Eddie's told you that you can't eat pasta because it's going to freaking give you cancer. Like, what the fuck? Like, how am I going to enjoy life then? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's basically to do with the fact that, like, it's it's just alienating everything that we try to do. And it's about education around, like, your food, that not all food is bad and not all food is great. Like, yes, a squares bar is going to be high in some form of processed sugars and it's going to have some ingredient there that might not be good for the human body. But if we really look at things in a black and white process, even the fruit that we eat, they get sprayed by chemicals all the time. Like the meats that we consume are getting freaking harvested through like these farms that will end up feeding them shite. So like... Yeah, we don't don't actually know what, you know, what, what they're being fed and all of that. If you go deep down, I mean, you can say yeah, that shit anything. Exactly. So, like, you can literally, like, you can live the perfect life. Like, so this is, I remember um, seeing this as a post from James Smith where he said that you can literally hit your macros every single day. You can consume your supplements perfectly every single day. You can have the best training split. You could live the best possible life. You can have the least amount of stress. But eventually you're going to die. Like, it's, it's, a fact you will die one day Mm -hmm. so it doesn't fucking matter if you try to have every single thing perfect just have it better than what you did before that's all that matters if you can be better than what you were before the day before the month before the year before that's all that matters and if you can see that level of progress over your years up until you get to 60 70 because let's be honest, by the time you get to 60, 70, you're not going to give a fuck about a six pack. You're not going to care that you'll be able to run a f- four minute K. Like, yeah. you're just caring about what you can do for your grandkids when you get to that age. Yeah. And I think if people can have that kind of perspective of like, my life should not be just down to having everything perfect to be able to get at a goal. I just need to consistently be better. And if I have a fuck up here and there, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Like if I end up having a takeaway or if I go over my calories, it's not going to be something that is going to be detrimental for my long-term process. But people fall into the into the trap of like, if they fail once, they'll always fail. Yeah. And they go through that spiral. But like I've experienced it before. You probably have experienced it before where you think, oh, well, fucking, if I failed this, like what's the fucking point? Like what's yeah. the point of me trying to do that again? It's like always I mean? looking at just the bigger picture as mm-hmm. opposed to, looking at the small steps that lead to the big picture. Yeah. It's about like doing the small things as well as you can mm-hmm. consistently and then you get to that big picture. Absolutely. But then, yeah, I think it's, I feel like it's harder for people to understand that and just focus on the little steps because mm-hmm. they look at social media and they think, this is what I'm looking at. Yeah. How the fuck do I get there? Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, but yeah, I think, again, it boils down to education. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Absolutely. You need people that are educating people. Well, like James PT, like I love the shit he puts out because mm-hmm. it's so realistic. Mm-hmm. Like everyone can, any, any, even though he's at the level he's at, a normal guy can watch his videos and still relate back. Yeah. Because it's very relatable mm-hmm. to a, like a normal person. And another thing as well, like he's been through that. Mm-hmm. Like he's been the guy who's had steroids and yeah. wanted to get jacked because he wanted to have attention from females or he's been that guy who's like gone out on the piss every single weekend. Like, I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with is to be able to relate to the people who haven't been through that process before. Like, if somebody is overweight and about 20 clam heavier than what you are, like, it's hard for you to be able to relate to that person who's got the six pack because, like, what they're trying to feed you is, like, a, it's a quick fix. It's not something that it's a process that they've had to go through mm-hmm. or they have been through it, but they just don't know how to educate you correctly on that. So, therefore, they have to spill out shite to be able to get you to understand a certain thing. And there, for me... Like, that's why I really try to be as kind of transparent as possible with my own experiences. Like, I've been the guy who's been into drugs when he was at a younger age. Like, I've been the guy who was stressed to death from work, got himself overweight, didn't train. Like, I've been through that path. And that's why for every conversation that I have with my lads is that, like, I know what you've went through. I know how you feel. Mm-hmm but you've got to listen to me and you've got to understand that like whatever I'm trying to do in terms of educating you here is because I've went through it and I want to be able to get you in a position where you don't have to go through that anymore. Yeah. Very true. Beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask you in terms of, since we were talking about fat loss, uh, if you could boil it down to three things like and anyone can do, what would you say are the three most important things uh, to achieve fat loss? To achieve fat loss? Mm-hmm. This is going to be mad, right? Three of the simplest things that you can do to lose freaking an exceptional amount of weight is walking more, like literally mm-hmm. just moving. Like, and people think that you have to just go out and actively do steps, like 20, 30 minutes. Like, that would be great. But if you can't fit in that in your schedule, say, for example, if you're in the office, if you can't fit that in in your day and you get like a 30 minute break, if you could squeeze in 10 minutes, great. If you can't, Use the office space, like find an excuse to go to the toilet more frequently, maybe drink more water while you're sitting down and that requires you to go to the toilet yeah, back and that, forth. Yeah. So you know what I mean? That gets your steps up yeah. massively. And one thing that my girlfriend recently found out is that because she's, her mom and dad had been away for the last two weeks on holiday, she's been doing a lot of the housework and she's been doing like 10K plus steps every single day because she's been doing housework. She's not just been for a single wall. Yeah, just moving around. Like, so doing shit in the house and like using that as an excuse to like get yourself moving, that's a great way. But like, just to kind of boil it down, like number one would definitely to just be getting steps in. Number two would just having a set structure around your food. Now this doesn't mean having a meal plan. You don't even need to track calories here. Like, if you could start off by tracking calories, great. But even if you don't want to track calories, like, having some form of structure around your food and really just nailing down your protein. If you're a fat, gluttonous fuck who keeps on eating over the weekend, because I've been that guy as well who goes into the weekends and, like, consumes the pack of Maltesers, like, it's easy. Like, if you eat one, you can't just eat one. You eat the full thing, don't you? So if you can just minimize the amount of times or opportunities that you have to kind of, like, reach in and grab that, and have some structure around the foods that you consume, let it be having breakfast, yeah. having lunch, having dinner, having a snack, like 
make it, find a way to make it work for you. If you're not a breakfast guy, remove breakfast, have more calories later in the night because usually we're more hungrier when it gets in the nighttime, especially if you've been stressed because you then have this response in your brain where ghrelin, which is a, it's a chemical in our body that induces hunger. It's a hormone that induces hunger. So like on the nighttime, that's where it's highest. So if you can just maybe push your meals back a little bit, and have a little bit more calories to play around with on the nighttime. Like say, for example, you're cooking a meal for your family, and then go for it. Yeah. Then that'll be fine. But you need to enjoy your life more yeah, as well. Exactly. <laughs> That's interesting. So in the nighttime is purely because of stress that like you get hungry in the night. So stress in itself is like, a, like say for example, if you're not stressed, you're never gonna, you're not really gonna experience it. But if you're having high levels of stress, it increases your cortisol levels. And cortisol is something that is like a, a main stress hormone. And there's a, the hormone that attaches to that is ghrelin. So ghrelin is a hunger hormone. So this is like kind of almost creates the, the, the desire to eat shit. So say, for example, if you had a shit night's sleep as well, that also induces cortisol mm-hmm. and therefore induces um, ghrelin. So your ghrelin levels get a little bit higher. So on the days that, say, you get five hours of sleep, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, God, like... To crave everything. I don't know what it is. Like I want to eat everything, and that's because of that. Interesting. So that's another thing to take into consideration. But just to kind of go back onto what I was saying, to boil it down on just the one thing, it's just to have some form of schedule around your eating. Really focus on increasing the amount of protein that you're consuming. So you could use the simple scale of like a fistful. So if you don't even want to weigh out your food, which you probably should, like weigh out mm. your food just to keep things simple. But if you didn't even want to do that, you can literally just get a fist. Like a fist, compare that, chicken breast, bosh, add that in. Or even like minced meats, reduce the fat, doing something like that. And then one final one as well is definitely, definitely weight resistance training. Like 100%. Like I think it's not even the fact that like weight training is going to make you lose fat. I think it's just going to, it's going to make you look better when you lose fat. Because people will go through the process of fat loss and they don't do any form of and they don't do any form of resistance training. And you know, like when you like end up just looking like all shriveled and like just like yeah, yeah. you it's just, just focus look, on cardio. Yeah, it just, just it looks shit. Yeah. Like there's no definition there. And like for males especially as well, because they have the, like this aspirational physique that they're working towards. Yeah, they're never gonna look like that, or they might look like that eventually, but Having a little bit of muscle tissue while you lose a little bit of body fat kind of increases the appeal and it also makes you feel a little bit more confident around it. Like you'll carry, you'll carry yourself a little bit differently, especially if you've been training chest three times a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> Big man saying. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, G. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. So again, like it improves that kind of like aspirational thought towards it. But um, yeah, we're training alongside that is such a big thing. And also as well, if you increase the amount of muscle tissue that you develop, your body then requires more energy to maintain that muscle tissue. This is something that I learned ages ago when I was um, still like a self-employed personal trainer when I was trying to get fa- achieve fat loss for my clients is that if you can increase the amount of muscle tissue that I have, that's not a bad thing, especially in females as well. But if we're speaking about males specifically, like it's not a bad thing for you to have more muscle. It doesn't mean that you're going to get bulky and look like Ronnie Coleman. Of yeah. course not. But, Having a level of skeletal muscle mass, which is the muscle tissue that's attached to your bones, that in itself is going to require your total daily energy expenditure 
as well as your BMR, which is your basic metabolic rate. It's like fancy terms for calories that you burn. So BMR is calories that you burn without moving a single finger. Like if I was to lie down dead, I would burn 2000 calories. And then TDE, this is alongside like your total daily energy expenditures. So the calories that you burn alongside walking, training, the whole lot. Those numbers will increase because you have more muscle that you're carrying. So therefore, if you are burning more energy, that means that your likelihood of being in a deficit is going to be far greater. But then also it has and gives you the opportunity to consume more because that gap is far greater. That's why a lot of people, when they start increasing their calories, when they're in the fat loss phase, they think like, oh, do I actually need to be eating more? Like, yeah, because you're going to be burning this huge amount of calories and you need to have some form of energy there. That's why I never really have my lads go through like below 2,000 calories unless they're getting ready for like a photo shoot, a show. Like uh, the likelihood of that happening now is really massively reduced because we don't really promote that as much. Like we don't really want you to kind of get to that point because having too low of calories massively causes imbalances in hormones, massive shifts in mood, uh, the want to do anything, your libido massively changes as well. Oh yeah, it's 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 shit. Being on low calories and getting to a very low body fat percentage is horrendous. You don't really want to be sustaining that. So again, like getting to a nice little position is always good because you can keep your calories relatively high whilst maintaining like a desirable physique to say the least. So yeah, just kind of going back to what I was saying, the three main things is to move more. So increase your steps in some fashion. Have a schedule around your food, really increasing your protein, but then also as well, just managing what time you're going to eat. And then three is resistance training, making sure that you have some form of training in place because that's going to make the the process so much more enjoyable. But then also as well, you're going to increase muscle tissue, which in return is going to help with losing fat over time. So yeah, that's how I would break it down to. Beautiful. For everyone listening. You got no fucking excuse now. Yeah. No fucking excuse, man. Even I, just walking, man. It's bro, I, I think being, I think you only consume bad stuff when you're not prepared. If you've got meal prep food mm. there, the chance of you then going out and getting takeaway or something like that is reducing it because yeah. you know you've already prepped your meals. Yeah. I, I think, think that helps a lot. Very, very helpful tip is just don't buy shit in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. that's so, it's one of the easiest things you can do. Because obviously, if the shit in your house, Right. Yeah. you're going to be tempted to eat it doesn't matter how disagreeable yeah. but you even if you, you are someone that can control you know have like you were saying open pack of Maltesers and just have a few not the full packet even then if it wasn't yet like in the house you wouldn't eat it to begin exactly it's that is yeah. the simplest thing just 100%. don't fucking shit yeah it's, it is simple as that and like I think it's easy to say that, but then also as well, it's like, it's hard a little bit because like, say for example, if you've got kids, mm-hmm. oh yeah, having the sweets there is going to be really important. Yeah. But one thing that really worked with uh, one of the lads that I was working alongside with is to have separate drawers. Mm-hmm. So you've got your kids' snacks in one drawer and then you've got your snacks in one drawer and obviously your snacks could be like something that's more low calories in comparison to what your kids might have or you could even just kind of ship the perspective and like allow your kids to have like something that is more low calories but again like i understand that not everybody's gonna treat that the same way and i don't expect them to because you don't want to have your kid boring and like not eat the same shit that all the other kids are eating Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want to be that parent who just says, like, oh, you're going to be gluten-free for the rest of your life. Fuck off. 
I'm not doing that. I'm going to be a vegan for life. Fuck off, man. I would hate that. But again, actually, funny fact, uh, you said when my dad used to own a pizza shop back when I was a kid, he used to bring me pizzas for mornings. So I would actually have pizzas for breakfast. That's how fucked up it was. (laughs) But yeah, so like, again, like, oh, it's better than a vegan diet, I'll tell you that. But like, again, going back to what I was saying there is that, um, that for parents who have got kids, like it, it'll be a little bit harder. But like one thing that definitely I've seen help a lot of my lads who I work alongside with is to have separate jobs because then it sets boundaries. Like you're not gonna ki- eat your kids' snacks. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that dickhead. Do you? <laughs> you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that dad. You don't want to be that guy. You're not that guy. So. It's gone. But um yeah, so like you don't want to be that dad. And again, like if you want to go through the path of like having lower calories for your kids as well, like that's fine. But like it just sets the boundaries. So you can do something like that without necessarily restricting yourself massively or being the guy who eats the four pack of Maltesers who can't just eat one. Yeah. I'm definitely that guy. But uh, yeah, so the difference is like you fucking work for it, you deserve it. Do you know I mean you can burn it off? Yeah. That's the, if you're putting in the work, then you mm-hmm. can eat. Because mm-hmm. you're going to burn it off either way. I think um, managing my calorie output as well as managing my calorie intake does help. And yes, it leaves me a lot of room to be able to consume the foods that I want. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, when I'm in the weekend and I'm having a takeaway and then maybe like a full pack of popcorn, like, it's probably not going to have a massive detrimental effect to my physique or yeah. my performance. Because again, like, I've got my physique to a certain point where I can manage that better. But I think. A lot of people see that as almost like, oh, well, Saman says that I can do it. Like, of course I can. Yeah. No, you haven't earned the right yet. Yeah, That's exactly. the main thing that people need to understand is that like, don't look at me and think that because I'm saying that you can eat prop, like you can have the balance between the two doesn't always mean that you probably should mm-hmm. because you haven't earned the right yet. Like if you're 30% body fat, your visceral fat levels are both 20, you're internally fucked and you can't even see your penis anymore. Like, <laughs> come on, man. You can't be fucking scranning and pouching away and telling me that you're trying to look for balance. Like, you haven't earned yeah, the right of balance yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. So that's the main thing that a lot of people get that's good. confused like that. about because they think that, like, yes, we're trying to promote a healthy lifestyle. Yes, we're trying to promote more of an, a balanced approach. But if you haven't earned the right for balance, you have not got the option to do that yet yes you will eventually but you have to work for that first and eventually get to that point where you can do that because then it makes it a lot easier and also going back to the thing that you mentioned there is like yeah i can just burn it off i think another thing that a lot of people try to put themselves into a mindset to and this is no fault of your own as well is that like they look at that like their watch or their my zone and see how many calories that they burn and almost see that because i burn x amount of calories I can consume X amount, but your body doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, the amount of calories that you burn, say for example, if I'm looking at an Apple watch or if I'm looking at my MyZone, the calories that it shows me usually is a bit off Mm -hmm. because no health tracker is 100% accurate when it comes to calories burned. So you can only use it as a gauge. So when you start to look at it in a perspective of like, oh, if I can train this hard, I can eat X amount of food. But really, you should be looking at it as like, I've trained hard today and I am feeding myself to perform better the next day. Mm-hmm. It's the shift of perspective of that. Like, I'm not burning to eat food. I'm training and eating food to help with my training. 
Because mm. I feel like if you can shift that perspective to that, that's going to make it so much better because like you're not going to eat shit to train shit. You're going to eat good to train better. Yeah. So that's the main thing that we try to kind of deliver as a message for our lads is to be able to... Yeah, I'm having pasta for refeed on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, come on, man. Like, you're having like 300 grams of pasta, which is almost a thousand calories on top of that and saying that you're just bulking. No, brother, you've been bulking bulking for the last 10 years. You can cop down on that, my man. All right? So, yeah, it's like, it's something like that. Ah, sweet. Did you have anything else? I was going to say, because we talked about vegan diet, what do you think about, obviously... I know it's different for women, but like for men to go on extreme vegan diets and stuff mm. and kind of stop eating meat and see, I I, I know we joked on a little bit about vegan because I heard some people, you know, so yeah, yeah. some people are like I know <laughs> someone that's very sensitive. Yeah, like I get like, don't get me wrong, like I personally would never go into a vegan or pescatarian or even kind of just anything that reduces the likelihood of eating meat in a nutrition protocol because personally for me like i love the food that i consume it gives me a lot of freedom but say for example if a person goes into a vegan diet or anything that is more vegetarian where they're consuming a little bit less meat then that's fine for them if they're consistent with it and they find a way to get enough protein in it like who am i to say you shouldn't do that because Mm -hmm. then i'm kind of entering the realm of like what other people do who demonize a certain form of eating like yeah you're gonna get a little bit stick for it you might not necessarily be able to build as much muscle tissue because you're not consuming a form of meat that is gonna help with the um the enzymes that you need for that kind of recoverability for your muscle but at the end of the day, like research kind of showing you like, yes, you're going to have like X amount of percentage improvements by eating this and like X amount of percentage improving in that. If you consume enough protein and you're in a surplus, you're going to build muscle regardless. Yes, you might be a little bit faster doing one thing. You might be a little bit slower doing the other. It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because again, it's reflecting back on the bigger picture. It's like, it's going to take me a little bit longer, but like I'm still eventually going to get there. And yeah, I'm going to do this a little bit faster. And yeah, I'm still going to get there. Like, it doesn't really matter. As long as the goal is what you're trying to focus on and not trying to do the diet because somebody's told you to do it, like you're doing it for your own back and you feel like, yeah, I can do this consistently. Yeah. Feel mind to judge. Yeah, you shouldn't really force anyone to do anything. No. I was going to say, um, what's your like favorite meal? My favorite meal? Healthy, like as in the most underrated meal. Like a do you know what? I'm not gonna lie, right? Just chicken and rice, man. Chicken, yeah. chicken and rice. Like people like look at me and think, fucking hell, you're imagina. Like chicken and rice every single day. But like people think that chicken and rice is boring. Mm-hmm. They imagine they think basmati rice, chicken breast, salt and pepper, and broccoli. That's not what I'm eating, man. I'm eating marry me chicken made in the slow cooker with a sauce. Yeah, All right? Yeah, I'm adding in them seasonings, brother. <laughs> yeah. So again, like you can actually yeah. make chicken and rice really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my lean source of protein. I'm getting some flavor from what I'm adding in. Yeah. But then also as well, I'm controlling my calories there. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the lads, um, one, of, one of my close friends as well kind of said that like I probably follow the 80-20 very well so the 80 20 rule is where you have 80 percent where your calories are controlled and then 20 percent where you'll have like a little bit of fun with it you'll add in some stuff that like popcorn or like some sweets or just whatever right yeah squares bar fucking hell got the bed so squares bar whatever right so that's kind of like how i almost live my day-to-day in terms of a nutritional sense 
But again, like going back to like, you have to almost earn that right to get to that point in terms of being able to follow the 80-20 rule. But just to kind of go back on what you said there, just like my probably favorite meal is probably chicken and rice. Um, another one that I usually have, if I don't have enough chicken, I'll usually have tuna, tuna and rice with sweet corn. And for the people out there who say that tuna is shit, you're a waste man. <laughs> Reason why is because tuna is... One can of tuna is like 150 calories and you get 24 grams of protein. Yeah, yeah. So add into that, you've got 280 calories straight off the bell and you've got almost 50 grams of protein right there. And mm-hmm. you're telling me that that stinks. Yeah. On, add a little bit of sauce into that. Barbecue sauce with tuna. Is it? Monafique, my yeah. friend. Or you can even have like light meal. Like yeah, people yeah. like mayonnaise with tuna, yeah, which yeah, I totally yeah. get. I, I think it's quite nice. And then add some sweet corn in there as well. Unbelievable. It's like one of those meals you have that makes you feel good afterwards. And I think that's very important as well. Yeah. Not to go too heavy with it. And also, so you can be productive after. So you mm-hmm. can go on the runs and stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, because um, I usually have a shake that's like a thousand calories as being like my first meal. Because obviously my calories are still high even yeah, at this time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that thousand calorie shake, if I had a thousand calories of food, that's going to sit a little bit differently than what a shake does. Right. Because the shake is broken down already where like... It, doesn't require me to chew anything because that in itself requires energy, energy chewing and developing saliva and then it has to go through the digestive trap which then goes through another process to be able to even break digest down, that food yeah. yeah exactly break it down into its enzymes that itself is is, is a hard process but if you yeah. can have that say for people who are trying to build muscle having your food in a shit in a shake form massively reduces the amount of fatigue because mm-hmm. there is a certain thing called like eating fatigue where you actually yeah, where you're eating a lot. Yeah, yeah. eating a lot but you yeah. get tired because of yeah. your eating so you like people get fucked off doing that but if you can just kind of minimize the amount of fatigue that you requires you to consume food mm. that makes it a lot better so i don't have many digestive issues when i'm having that thousand calorie share because everything's blended it's easy to consume and i'll have no problem with that and is it that fuel? Sit. no it's uh it's, it's basically my own concoction. Yeah. It's called the Persian Power Shake. <laughs> the boys at the TC know what it's about. It's, uh, literally, this is what it consists of, right? It's um, one banana, which is around 100 grams. And then I've got 60 grams of oats. I'll usually increase that if my calories are a little bit higher. So 60 grams of oats, uh, 30 grams of peanut butter, 20 grams of honey, and then two scoops of protein. And I'll usually add some creatine in there as well. Mm-hmm. But I usually have my creatine in my electrolyte shake, so I don't really need to worry about that. But um, yeah, two scoops of protein, which brings it around 1,000 calories, around almost 100 grams of carbs. And then grams of protein is probably around the 60 region. So mm-hmm. it pretty much has my first meal kind of like tick off a lot of yeah. boxes that I need. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice because I usually have that probably 90 minutes before I train because I'll usually have that at around eight o'clock and then I'll coach for an hour and then I'll do some admin after I coach and then after my admin, I'll go train. So it gives me enough time to like fully digest Digest. if I need to. So do you have that before running as well, like in the morning if you were? Um, I'll probably have something far lighter than that before running. Um, So say, for example, today I had a bagel with um, some butter and jam. And that was quite nice. So that's something that I'll probably have like 30 minutes beforehand. It's a fast digesting carbohydrate. I've got some, um, uh, the jam is almost kind of like, uh, kind of like having a square bar as well. It's something that is 
low on your GI, which is um, gastric index um, in terms of your intestines. Being oh, able this to, guy's a scientist, man. Bro, you, you, I'd have went through the bro, process, like, brother. <laughs> I've had it went through the process, brother. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I'm honestly, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'll be hand on heart, I'm a, I'm a dumb guy, genuinely. Yeah. Like, it takes a lot for me to, like, absorb information. Mm -hmm. So I've got to constantly have to, like, chuck it in my brain yeah. to be able to, like, yeah. really you know understand shit, something. You know but, like, yeah. I, I'd hope that I would know my shit coming yeah. on here and, like, talking nonsense. Then I'd just, because uh, <laughs> I always think, like, <laughs> fuck me, somebody's, somebody's going to call me out here. So I need to know my stuff here. But, yeah, so, like, yeah. it's easy to digest and it means that it's not really going to sit on my stomach. So when I go out for my run, like, it means that I'm not, like, busting for a shit. Mm -hmm. So, like, doing stuff, like, eating a full meal if you're going to have like a full meal have that 90 minutes beforehand if you're having like a squares bar a bagel or even fruit having that 30 minutes beforehand you're sound yeah. very interesting shout out to Heal though isn't it? got a sponsor shout out to Heal man <laughs> yeah, Heal shakes are nice though I drink my shakes nice yeah, yeah the salt and caramel yeah. flavour woof yeah. hefty very mm. nice that and to be fair it's got like your minerals um vitamins in there as well so they, they do create like the complete shake it is quite expensive yeah, but like yeah. if you get it in the powder form like yeah. probably saving a little bit of money from if that. you just edit it what you said about how good it is for your digestive system and just pictured like a photo of heel after it would have been a sick gonna be knocking on my door like, <laughs> sammy we've seen what you said there yeah, let me sponsor you boy I'm like, oh, you, should, oh, you, should, you should bring out your kind of uh, your drink that you just mentioned your thousand oh, yeah. that's, that's a nice shake. name bro that's the one man i'm telling you it's gonna be we've got a so in I the, feel like the Persian power shake needs to add some dates as well. Do you know what? You're so right. But I prefer some eating sugars. dates by himself, you know. Like the Majuli mm. dates. Mm. Majuli. Oh, Majuli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so nice. Do you guys fast? Like, do you do Ramadan or anything like that? I did for the first time last year. Yeah. I took yeah. a shahada in March, bro. So oh, I was fasting, man. yeah. Oh, but before, like, we're Hindus, innit? Like, yeah. we were. And then... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, yeah. So we have a few members who are the same as well. Like, they were doing uh, Ramadan at one point. And uh, to break their fast, they would usually have dates. Yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. go to Sainsbury's and buy some Majuli dates. I'm like, brother, look after, I'm looking after you, man. Yeah. Oh, you have your dates when you break your yeah, fast. Yeah. A glass of water right next it's to nice, that bro. as well. It's nice, yeah. But, yeah. So, nice. Sick. Persian power shape. Persian Let's power shape. We've got a, so in the TC, we've got a, a shop called the Coffee Club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right next to it. And I'm like, I'm hounding Ross. I'm saying like, come on, man, just add the Persian power shape. I just want to see it there. Yeah. I just want to <laughs> see that on the menu. Our like complete life there. Yeah. Like I've got my own, like, cause uh, we brought a t-shirt out. Uh, it's called Let's Get Loose. Cause um, usually when we start our mobility routine in the training session, we used to, do it where we would do it as a group and I when I first started in the TC like for some reason I just started saying this like, like let's get loose like I will shout it out and it instantly people knew like what we meant like you'd go straight into mobility and then uh, as a t-shirt design Ross made this uh, t-shirt called let's get loose with the, uh, the colors being the Iranian flag uh -huh. which uh -huh. is like red yeah. white and um, red white and green yeah which was unreal, like it was min. I was buzzing when he brought it out. And then, uh, so I've got a t-shirt, so I just need the shake and I'm like, yeah. completed life, Thank completed life. <laughs> yeah, man, excited. So yeah, was there anything else you want to ask? No, do you ever go back to like Iran or anything? Like, do I would love to. Um, the last time I went to Iran was back in 2014 mm -hmm. and I haven't been since because Unfortunately, like Iran's going through like a bit of a process where like the government is causing a lot of issues for the Iranian people. And yeah. if I go back, I'll have to do my uh, my service, my military service. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
that's why I've kind of like, uh, pardon me, I've like avoided going back. So if I'm ever seeing family, we usually meet at Turkey because like Iran is literally right next to Turkey. Yeah, it's only like a two-hour flight. So um, when I went to Turkey last time, my my grandma she came over from Iran, so we spent a little bit of time together. So it was nice to do That's that. Nice, yeah. But yeah, but I would love to honestly. Iran looks beautiful. Man. Oh man, like Iran in itself, I think gets a lot of stick for again, like for cultural reasons, which I totally understand. Like um, obviously, yeah. people have their opinions around like the way that the country is run, its beliefs, and like I'm not here to kind of dispute that, but. Being there and being around the people, like family-wise, is is such a big thing. Because like I learned a lot of lessons when I used to live there. Because at one point when I was in uh, secondary school, I took a year out and I went there and lived there in Iran with my mom to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was an unbelievable experience. And I wish I could do it again. And it allowed me to just like not understand other cultures. But then also it gave me this kind of appreciation towards family and like how important that is and how important for a male in Iran it is to like set an example to be the man of the house or mm-hmm. to be able to kind of like lead from the front as we talked about there before. Obviously to a certain extent, like there's men who might not do that and there might be men who almost kind of like take this dictatorship role. But yeah. like when you think of a family man, who like sets the right examples and like does everything for his family. That's like a massive lesson that I learned and I, I like it always sticks to me. And I always love being able to go visit there and see like my other family as well. Cause I've got two sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side. My dad's side are the ones that are kind of like the humble, like they're from the ends kind of people. But like the ends in Iran is like nothing that you think like in no, Sunderland or no, stuff no. like that. It's like, it's like places that like don't have the most amount like they don't have a lot but they're happy like for simple, having yeah, yeah, yeah they're simple simple life, yeah. simple life and they spend a lot of time with their family together like they'll have barbecues all the time which is amazing like they're singing and dancing it's, it's amazing and then my mom's side is probably like a little bit more kind of civilized a little bit more serious like they're, they've got like a little bit more upper class but that's the beauty of like being able to experience both families because then you can yeah. kind of like take the best from both, yeah. but then yeah. also the worst and just kind of like see how you can combine that and like yeah. set that in your own life. So as well. you mentioned earlier about the, the man in the house. Did you learn that from your father? Was it, was he like showing you like an example of, yeah, like what? my, I've, my dad, big Shaz, as he's well known for, like he's, um, he has set an incredible standard for me to like follow from, um, he came in this country when he was 23 years old. Like he went through an entire process of coming from Iran to the UK. Like he went, like, do you know how people talk about, like joke about like coming in through a bus and like a banana bowl? My dad is like literally the living proof of like, he came from a truck from Iran. Mark, he yeah. got stuck in India because people and um, the police stopped him. Mm-hmm. And he went into a prison for X amount of time. They got out of that prison and then found the person who was driving them there, got back into the car, and then went into the UK. Obviously, he's like he's legal now. So for people who are watching, like it's not illegal <laughs> yeah, anymore. But um, yeah, so like he came into this country very young age, only had X amount of money, and he just chucked himself into the deep end of like being able to learn the language, work, earn some money to bring his family over. So his um his wife, my mum, bringing them over to this country and like just being able to like just make a man out of himself from being such a young age and like having this uh, stupid amount of responsibility without really having much guidance. And um, 
bro 23 it's mad to think even yeah I hear that bro you know I'm what i'm 20, saying so I'm, you. I'm 24 my dad was like literally he's like had tenfold of a life <laughs> yeah, experience by crazy. the time i got to that age so imagine coming to like a country like this at that age Figuring everything out. Yeah. Know the language nah. Bro, it's crazy what else. Yeah. Exactly. And, then it's it's us. <laughs> and then there's us getting like the fucking easy life. I'm like, fuck. But that's like, I think that's what gives me the sense of appreciation that like, again, going back to like one thing that I mentioned about like the cookie jar. Like I even use that. Like I use the experiences of others as well mm-hmm. to kind of go from that. So like when I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going through this hardship. I'm like thinking like, well, my dad had it a lot harder. Like he came in this country not even fucking know how to say hello in English. Yeah. So what? who am I to kind of like judge or decide that this is hard when he's went through harder? Yeah. So I think that allows me to be able to kind of learn from that. And as you said as well, like going back to talking about being the man of the house and that like, again, I've never, I don't have like my family of my own yet. Like I've got a partner, but like I do understand that leading from example and being a person who says they're going to do something and actually do it. Like it's so important because it carries so much weight. It's kind of like going back to like the level of stoicism that you have. Like my dad has got a certain level of that, but like he's also got that level of humility where he's just like, he's a, he's just a casual guy. He just loves doing the simple shit in life, sitting in the house, on his phone, scrolling through loads of videos on Facebook and just chilling with the dog right next to him. And that's like, that's fucking mint. That's yeah, that's yeah. enough for him. Like he's he, done his job kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, done he's, that he's went of, through the rite of passage. He's yeah. done what he needed to do and now he's living his best life and yeah. I wouldn't want more and anything more for him. It's amazing, like. Exactly, he's done what he's, uh, he's done his job. That's mm-hmm. classic. Like, yeah. Also, once you've raised kids and your kids are a certain age and they're settled and they're doing, and they're well, doing 100k runs and shit. 100k you know what runs and that. Yeah. Do you know what's mad, right? Because like, I don't know if you experienced this as well, right? <laughs> I think it's like proper, like it's in Asian culture, culture, like where, like it doesn't matter what you do, mm-hmm. like your family's always going to be happy for you. But like, it's True. it's it's so funny because like, I'll tell my mum and dad, like, oh yeah, I've just been like, I've been doing like these 20K, 30K runs. Like they don't see it as like anything yeah, big. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, Tommy, well done, man. Like, it's amazing for you. Like, but when I told my dad, like I did 100K, he was like, oh, it was hard. I was like, hi, <laughs> so fucking hard. I, oh no, I was a walk in the park. No, it's fine. But like, yeah, yeah so like, yeah. it's it's always like, that's another thing as well like the the humble factor of like it doesn't matter what you do like your family's always gonna love you and like that's something that I'll carry over like especially when I kind of like come to raise my kids like like not overwhelm them with emotion and like overwhelm them with like pressure and stuff yeah yeah, it's like whatever you do great if you do it great even better but like at the end of the day you're still gonna be loved you're still gonna be you're still always going to have a home to go to and you're, you're going to be able to like have that support system there. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what my mom and dad have almost taught me is that like, do your own thing, learn how to do it, fail if you need to, but we're always going to be here for you. All right. Mm. And that's fucking sick. And that's all I needed. That's class that man. You got any siblings or anything? Nah, single yeah. child. Surprisingly enough, like I always thought that like, being a single child would always mean that I'd be like a spoiled brat. Like I probably was when I was at a younger age. And I think, I don't know what kind of almost got me to go through the process of like being able to be more self-sufficient but like I've almost kind of been exposed to that at an early age to a point where I've had to be self-sufficient because my mom and like even though my mom and dad are there supportive like they don't really need to do a lot for me like yeah 
I've yeah. learned how to clean my room. I've learned how to do my own shit, like planning stuff. Like I don't really need to do get my mom and dad to do anything for me. Like I still know people my age or even older who still have their mom and dad like doing their own dishes and like cleaning their clothes and shit. I'm mm. like, fuck me, like that's about yeah. life. <laughs> that must be mint. But um, yeah. So I think again that goes to more on like being a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. you have to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah, care. absolutely. You have to be able to kind of like be able to like take care of yourself before you take care of others. Mm-hmm. And it's like the analogy of like if you're on a crashing plane. And the first thing they tell you is to put your mask on, put your mask on first before you start putting other people's mask on. Mm-hmm. So you've got to learn how to put that mask on for yourself before you start putting other yeah. people's mask on. Because yeah. how are they supposed to survive if you don't survive? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that we try to teach our lads as well. Like when they're training for themselves, like you're not training because it's selfish. You're training because it's going to have a massive impact on people around you. Again, setting that example, leading from the front. If you're doing something that is challenging for you and you can show others that they can also do challenging stuff, then you're going to allow them to level up in a certain sense whilst you're continuing to progress and leveling up from that as well, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Class man. That's good. How long has it been? Um, An hour and a half. Freaking hell. Hour and a half. Well, we could go on for another hour, like literally another an hour and a half, but we have That's to like conclude. That. That's the thing we're talking about. You can talk, yeah. you can talk about stuff. Especially you, bro. You're really yeah. good at this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Again, first, first podcast. First potty, well. man, I'm yeah. telling you. Definitely, People yeah. are going to see this and they're like, oh shit, we need yes. to get him on our yes. podcast yes. as well. You, <laughs> bro, you. <laughs> you, exactly. Yeah. Nah, but uh, oh, I love it. I genuinely, um, do you know what? It's so weird, right? And this might sound so cringy, but I always kind of like dream that I would eventually get onto like something like this where mm-hmm. I can kind of express myself in a certain manner, tell about my story, mm-hmm. kind of like talk about my own experiences. Cause like, I feel like I've through these last kind of like five, 10 years, I've been able to like experience so much that each experience has allowed me to kind of take a lesson from it. Mm-hmm. And those lessons can be diversified in so many different walks of life and again like i want to thank you guys for being able to like allow me to use this platform to be able to do that thank you for coming bro thank yeah, you of course that's what we're doing yeah. this isn't it yeah. just connecting yeah. people that's went through a lot of hardships and stuff and then talk about it and then connect that with the listener who's probably needing to hear that you know mm-hmm. it's the whole point of doing something if like people this listen to this and then hopefully it gets them out of the fucking house yeah because you're not making any money from this or anything. It's just one of those things that you do. You just know, like, it's beneficial. Mm. You're an asset. Come in. People are coming. We want assets to come in and start talking about really nice things. Assets, not in a way, like, beneficial towards us. It's just for the community, for the mm. people that's listening, bro. Just to spread the message, you know, about good things. Sick that. Unreal. It's a great thing that you guys are doing here, absolutely. And I feel like if you can continue that momentum up and eventually get to a point where like more people are listening or like you're getting bigger guests eventually yeah. and like having people who genuinely will create an impact, that's going to be even better. And like um, one thing that I remember seeing a statistic and you've probably seen it as well, like most podcasters, when they get to like a certain amount of episodes, if you get past like 20, 10 episodes, I think, or more than that, then you've already entered the like the one percent mm-hmm. of podcasts yeah. that actually have level of consistency so like you yeah. see the podcasts that are like a thousand episodes deep like it's so hard to be able to kind of like compare yourself to that yeah 
So you got to think as well, there's so many podcasts out there, but then they stop at episode 10 because yeah, they think yeah. that nobody's listening. But like, I've been watching you guys for a long time. I've seen that Abby and Ross were on here. I listened to their podcast episode as well. So like, you guys are doing something here. You just need to make sure that you don't fall into that percentage of people who kind of give up on that. Yeah. And as you said, you're not making any money from it, but eventually you probably will. But it's about kind of that yeah. that rep and being able to like just kind of know that this is a project that you guys are working on and it's going to require a yeah. lot of time yeah. to be able to build yeah. up from yeah. that, right? Not a goal. Project. We're already gaining from it anyway. It's like, literally, it's like every 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 week we have um, someone on, it's like we learn from something mm. from them. I mean, there's always something we learn. Yeah, yeah. The guests. Like think like Joe Rogan or Andrew. The more people that speak to, the more intelligent you get because you're mm. they're telling you information that they've researched so much upon. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you're not gonna go. I'm not gonna go home and research about the stuff you mentioned, did I? But since you've talked about it, I've got that in my head now. Yeah. So it's it's, it's like you you become kind of a bit smarter. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Sick. It's a win-win for us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost like selfish what you guys are doing for us. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's good. It's good. Yeah, so like you guys yeah, yeah. are taking something from it and it's yeah. like every single person that you bring in, like you you get just that little bit better. And I think that's what the podcasting world is about. It's yeah. like you're bringing in people who will have some form of expertise in a certain area and you're just kind of getting a little bit out of that. Mm-hmm. And if you, even if... And I, I say this all the time as well when it comes to my social media content. If I can have an impact on one person at least, mm-hmm. then my job's done. Yeah. Trust, yeah. And if you can literally get one piece of information that will stick with you, you've like the podcast is done in stock. Mm-hmm. Like we've spoke for an hour and a half. Like the first hour and ten minutes might have meant fuck all for one person, mm-hmm. but that twenty minute little gap where we're talking about something that like for that person's really important at the time, it's then it's yeah. it's gonna work and it's it's that's done the job. Is, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. That's yeah. all it is. Get that one on Instagram. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> come on. But yeah. But yeah, thank you, Saman, again for coming on. Yeah. Um, man. Hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. See catch you in the next one. Signing out. <laughs> <laughs>